0: 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now.
1: Political news? It's a
0: huge day, Donald.
1: But someone's sounding, surprisingly, someone's sounding rather like a loser. I wonder who that could be. Very toss. Dixie Pudding, I love you too. I think only Dixie will know what that means. Hint, check Twitter. I'm Jay Severin. Welcome back, friends, partners, radio family. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 900 3393 The number for the JLE News appearing and published each day orally here on the Blaze Radio Network. one hundred three three nine three. 900 3393 Ooh, baby! Therefore, for big changes to occur in this campaign, presidential campaign, which for now means again, Doctor Carson, wake up! Presidential campaign means not tumbleweed Iowa, and that's true of every state. Once the gypsy caravan of media. And politician uh, politicians and hangers on. Really it's it's like living in Iowa one hundred and fifty years ago and a gypsy caravan blows into town with all of the attendant you know retainers. They roll into town, horse thieves. Coopers, hookers, snake oil salesmen, and those are just the candidates. You know, and and then whole, the whole show, the whole freak show, rolls into town and lives are changed. Men cheat. Women shoot cheating men. Children are hit by passing wagons of snake oil salesmen fleeing the angry mob the whole thing turns into a, a freak show for you know 3 4 weeks and then one night everyone wakes up and you know what makes them wake up the same thing that used to make me wake up for the first year or so after i moved out of manhattan you know what used to wake me up silence and I'm convinced to this day of that. I mean, I, I would wake I, ah, ah, I'd wake up. There had been no sudden sound. There had been no commotion. I would wake up just before first light. There you go. Like that. And I realized after a while, I really think my brain, after a lifetime, is wired to hear garbage trucks and the cans being slammed around. And all of the stuff that happened if you live in Manhattan that's what you wake up to every morning unless you sleep with headphones on or you're a sleeper as heavy as well I don't want to make a drug uh, uh, reference because that that would dip, that would actually be uncharitable so <clears throat> I and I and uh, and I won't do it because I believe in redemption do you Take a look at these candidates. Now that they've blown out of Iowa, they brought the freak show to New Hampshire. And all I'm saying is for big changes to happen in this race, I don't know what you're expecting. I don't know what I'm expecting even. <clears throat> but whatever we're expecting, a whole lot and more has to occur in a very short space of time. In In the next five days, a whole lot has to change. Now, there, there, there can be no competition for the lead story, which means I've already tweeted it uh, last night or in the middle of the night or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and you know what the lead story is. Donald Trump has taken a fit. Donald Trump has, has had a seizure of some sort. Donald Trump has taken to Twitter and according to one very prominent national report sent an original original tweet that said Ted Cruz didn't win Iowa he illegally stole it by fraud I demand a new election or the nullification of this one. I, I want to repeat for those of you listening carefully. According to one very prominent national report, Donald Trump's original tweet, which I assume this report is predicated on screen—what are they? Screen grabs? Is that what they're called? You know, someone catching it before it was changed. So the story goes, as reported, the original tweet reportedly said Ted Cruz didn't win Iowa. He stole it illegally by fraud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was in short order changed to reportedly say the same thing, only with the word illegal deleted. That that is of interest to me as your jailhouse lawyer, you know, matters legal are of interest to me, much as the workings of, say, a uh, hydrogen bomb might be to a four year old, you know, because I that's 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 about how expert I am in it. But it is a fascination for me, a lifelong fascination. And consider this. Join me on this logic chain. If something caused someone, if this report is true, if the original tweet said illegal by fraud, Cruz stole the election. If somebody, for any reason, was moved to change that, why would you delete illegal but not fraud? Because... I'm here as your jailhouse lawyer to tell you that if one of those is actionable, if one of those is libelous, I'll bet you the other one is. I bet you they are equally libelous. As a matter of fact, I'm going to guess and wait to hear from someone who actually knows. Uh, If I don't hear from you during the show, I'm going to call my lawyer and and bother him uh, and say... If I sent out something uh, uh, on Twitter or an email or was quoted accurately, of course, that that's probably wouldn't happen. But I was quoted accurately somewhere and I accused someone of both illegal acts and fraud. And I deleted only one of those subsequently. Which one is you as the guy who would have to defend me? which one would you rather I had deleted? You know, I'll bet you a dollar that, I'll bet you a dollar the answer is, well, they're both problematic, but I hope you deleted fraud. I don't know. We'll wait and see. In any case, reportedly, that's what happened. And so now the email, as it lasts, reportedly stands is, uh, Ted Cruz stole the election uh, by fraud, and I want it, therefore, I want the Iowa results nullified, you know, overturned, or I want a new election. I, th- I you know, I I know that, that Mr. Trump has a predilection for seeking uh, public relations and ink and attention, but... I think this might have some kind of medical defense. I don't know. I mean, it's certainly out there, you know, demanding a new caucus. So, I, I don't know. So, I don't want you to think that these things are without their consequences. Uh, Donald Trump has dropped in the newest polls. He has dropped four points in a day. Yeah, now he's ahead by only twenty four.
2: J Severin
1: on the
3: Blaze Radio Network.
0: and dryer coverage just call 1-800-686-3910 that's 1-800-686-3910 again 1-800-686-3910 call now
2: the j Severin show
1: on the blaze radio network one triple eight nine hundred three 900 3393 888 900 3393 you remember that donald trump said from the podium the other night i just i just love iowa in fact i think i'm going to come back and buy a farm i, I think i think i i i I'm virtually certain. I know I said this, but I think I tweeted it last night. I don't mean to make a big deal. I'm not not picking nits here. But we live on language, right? We certainly do here. So I just would ask you to consider, I love Iowa. I'm going to come back and buy me a farm. I don't know. Isn't the verb a telling thing in that sentence? I mean, don't we learn a little bit more than perhaps the Speaker consciously intended when he said, I think I'll come back and buy a farm. I mean, I think it says, it suggests to me a couple of things. It, I know, he was, he was fooling around. So I should shut up. I get that. Fair enough. But if Donald Trump were going to say such a thing, it's like that. that's the only way he he would ever say it, I think. I'm going to come back and buy a farm. I think the verb buy is very telling. He so I love Iowa. I would love to live on a farm here, live on a farm here. I would love to work on a farm here. I'd like to tend to a farm here. I'd like to raise... Livestock. I'd like to grow corn. I mean, of the ways that, if you loved Iowa and you were really taken by a place, and you wanted to say something, I just think that I am not going to blame Donald Trump. I am going to blame the New Yorker syndrome. I know because I am one of them. I am a recovering New Yorker, and the thing you would say is, you know, I, I this is great. I am going to buy. I am going to buy. I am going to buy one, and I think I'll buy a few Iowans. You know to to run it, because God knows I'm not gonna get get up early or go uh, to the slop shoot or you know muck out stalls or you know work work the farm the land myself. I'm gonna buy one. You know it occurred to me we've got it. <speaking in Spanish> Green Acres is the place for me. Green, get it? You see, I buy, I'm going to buy a farm. Farm living is the is where I want to be. Uh, you know, reality television, it's perfect. Donald Trump's next reality television gig. Green Acres 2. The Trumps in Iowa. Da-na-da-na-na. The store's. Da-da-da-da-da. The I won't say it. I bet I'll think of something soon, something else soon that rhymes. Kirk, from the great city of Houston, welcome.
4: Jay, it's such a pleasure, and I would encourage you not to sing anymore.
1: <laughs> Kirk, you join a long list of people of evidently sophisticated taste and judgment who have thusly advised me.
4: But you gave it a good shot. I, uh, <laughs> I used to be a professor. I used to be a professor at Iowa State in
1: Ames. Really? And I, now yeah, we are. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, just to, to, to well, hold on, hold on, to fill this out, to fill out the mental picture for me where, of of where are you a native?
4: I'm a native of uh, Maryland.
1: Of Maryland. So did you spend most of your life there, or all of it before going to Iowa State?
4: Uh, well, it's, I'm
1: 57,
4: so I've spent my life in a variety of places. But Okay, no, I, I just uh, wondered and,
1: because I wondered someone going from Texas to Iowa or from you know the East Coast to Iowa would be different things. And I just wonder how much of a culture change it, wh- it was for you. But that's, it, that's why it, I it ask anyway.
4: A, well, I understand the question. It, it wasn't very much of a culture change because people in Iowa don't have wooden teeth. And they are they are <laughs> cultured, they are cultured and educated, and have the same concerns as the people who are in Manhattan or Atlanta or Seattle. And this you have is no the news.
1: You have no Kirk. You have no idea, professor. You have no idea what news that would be to a Manhattanite if they actually believed you. But 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 please proceed.
4: <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I spent uh, ten years. At, at Iowa State and 10 wonderful years. The very first memory of moving there from Atlanta, actually, was mm-hmm. uh, having neighbors actually come over and visit and say, hey, welcome, here's some food. We we, we see that you're just moving in. And, uh, and those people were very, very cultured. They weren't wearing overalls. They didn't have manure <laughs> on their shoes.
1: You mean all the women didn't have on plain gingham simple gingham dresses and No
4: that that would be more characteristic of uh, of uh, people in in central
1: Pennsylvania but not in Iowa they were wearing or in or in Manhattan who bought it because there was a little thing in New York magazine simple gingham dresses just like folk wear 1900 dollars on Madison Avenue well, in a shop
4: I, I yeah I hear you, but but the assumption I think getting to Trump is that those people were actually rudes and he could actually come in and offer plane flights or helicopter flights to the little kids and everybody would just go Gaga. Well, I think right. there there are three three wonderful universities where people send their kids to who end up being working adults. In the state of Iowa, uh, for example, Iowa State has a program where, for each of the 99 counties, there's a full scholarship for for a student.
1: That is and wonderful.
4: So Bernie Sanders would be happy, but
1: it, <laughs> it it's, it's <laughs> well he'd funded, be one, he'd be, he'd be an- it'd be a little bit yeah you know, he'd be like one percent happy but but and isn't it the University of Iowa with the world-renowned Writers Project?
4: It is, and it's a very good project. And Iowa State is the, one of the premier engineering engineering schools in the country. And yeah. uh, the University of Northern Iowa is uh, is known for its teaching uh, teaching education. So you don't have a bunch of people that are walking around signing documents <laughs> with an X. <laughs> so when when Trump says the people in Iowa are stupid for not automatically designating me king. Well he's stupid. He has no idea. Especially Kirk
1: if you say it before the election. How stupid are you?
4: Well well yeah and then he says, Oh I'm surprised that I came in second. But I mean the students that I had were ceramic engineering majors. I mean these these were amazing brainiacs who most part try to stay in the state. I mean we're, we're talking about if it really pisses me off to see the news coverage that oh the people of Iowa yeah well we interviewed this grandmother who yeah. you know she was, who old. was
1: standing on oh, a please. standing on a bale of hay and w- with a piece of hay yeah, in her I, ma- alfalfa in her mouth.
4: But, but the the thing about the most recent Trump kerfuffle. All
1: right, Kirk. Let me he, ask you, so, professor. I, I, I may I please. I I, I love your call. Uh, I'm sure I hold the majority opinion on that matter. We're out of time for this segment. Satellite's going to dump us. Uh, just like a New Yorker would, once you found out you, you no longer lived on the Upper East Side, you lost your apartment. Uh, so if you would, if you could, please hold, and we will come back to you for Visions of a Life Jay J-7 on The Place
2: Radio Network.
0: Is the Jay Severin Show.
1: And these are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. Gracious enough to hold is Professor Kirk, now of Houston, earlier of uh, various great American locations, including Iowa, where he taught uh, at a uh, prominent university for, did you say, 10, 10 years? Welcome back. Thank
4: you so much. Thank you so much. How My shall pleasure. we continue?
1: Oh well it's it's entirely up to I've been so fascinated by the sort of peripheral uh markers here that I haven't let you get to your point. So I have a suggestion. Why don't I shut up and see what you, you want to talk about?
4: <laughs> the big point is is that people who come to Iowa who expect to see a population in overalls and dirty underwear are sorely mistaken. Um <laughs> You, you hear all of the information about the, you know, the percentages of blacks and Hispanics and, you know, Indians and Armenians. What it comes down to is you got a, you got a lot of smart people who have opinions, and they may it may not reflect the percentages in the general country, but I tell you what, it's a lot more reflective of sensibility than California. I mean, I, it, you've no got doubt. you've got people you've got people who are working not only in the ground. Des Moines is the insurance capital of the state. I mean, you, the people who are in Des Moines are, are businessmen and women who are, are obviously not picking corn on their knees. And the farmers, they send their kids to places like Iowa State to learn how to uh, to use the most recent uh uh, Research in making their uh, making their farms uh, their small farms actually work. So I think it's i.e.
1: feeding the world.
4: In the world, and it's a disservice to simply say, "Oh, you guys just want ethanol subsidies." Well, from the farmer families that I know, and I know a considerable amount, they're saying we don't need it. You know, we can we we have to switch our crops anyway. Uh, soybeans are for them are often more profitable than ethanol subsidies. So it's it's not them. It's you know the, the business people who are uh, uh, so interested in uh, in the ethanol subsidies. But the the regular right. farming farmers can switch their crops in in you know in a season. Yeah, our, the- our,
1: we had senior partner have a senior partner Rocky on the show who pointed out the crop rotation factor when uh recently when we were talking and uh was an education a real light bulb for me at least going back to the you know second grade when uh, they still taught such things uh in in school and the 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 other thing about this is it really it, People joke about this, about flyover country and about the attitudes of yes. people who live in the Boston to Washington megalopolis, you know, corridor on the East Coast. Yes. And, and, and the, uh, you know, pretty much California and maybe now some of the upper, you know, the hippie Northwestern states, uh, a, a kind of megalopolis. Uh, uh, and, and, and every, there's that. And it, it's like the Steinberg. The famous Steinberg or infamous Steinberg cover of New Yorker magazine, uh, w- with, which is a drawing of a Manhattanite's view of the world. And, it's got, and 98% of the drawing is detailed streets and cross streets and building of Manhattan. And then the, the, the remaining yeah. couple of percent is divided by, by a little tiny brown strip uh, of the Hudson River, and, and then New Jersey, and then tumbleweed. <laughs> You know, for the rest of the country. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it is yeah. difficult, Professor, to overestimate the degree to which that truly is the way that 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 is sort of the the operational perspective of people, as 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 you know by experience uh, on the East Coast. And and my it's the rumor within our family is that my early and now well developed schizophrenia probably originates in having spent. A lot of my early summers on my grandfather's Duggar, Indiana farm on the family farm. And then I would be there in the morning. I would wake up in Duggar, Indiana, and then at night I'd be I'd be back in New York. And that was a little bit too jarring, I think, for for the human brain to absorb (laughs) kind of like concussion
4: syndrome. do, Do you have one minute for an interesting story that I think
1: will resonate? for you we're a meritocracy yeah. here you've earned your minute
4: well yeah, one, got... one minute uh, there's a there was an orchestra festival uh in ames called the ames international orchestra festival association and one year they had the philadelphia orchestra out with uh ricardo muti and all of the kerfuffle that goes with that and mm-hmm. so traditionally at that time a lot of the players went to farms, you know, rural communities, and uh, the concertmaster at the time, Norman Carroll, went to a farm and had dinner. And he's apparently, okay, get me out of here. And the, the the particular farmer, who was in overhauls, said, "Well, I've got I got something to show you." And Norman said, "Oh, okay." So this farmer brought out a what a Stradivarius. Yeah. He brought out his violin and played the first movement of the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto by memory entirely. And at that point, all barriers were gone. And I think that's something to remember about
1: that's a beautiful people where
4: you, where you think people don't know what's going on. They read, they have Wi-Fi, <laughs> They're libraries, <laughs> So when the reporters Did you cetera, say they have
1: high fis
4: why Fi. <laughs> when when people come in and they go, Well, you people actually read and you don't have wooden teeth and you're not, you know, you don't have well I, I just think the perspective needs to adjust a little bit. Agree. Uh, as an African
1: American American. Yes.
4: As an African-American, I learned a lot about the friendliness and wonderful, welcoming atmosphere of that part of the country that is sorely lacking from many of the other uh, parts of the country. So I would suggest that people open their eyes and uh, just take take a moment and say, boy, it's nice to have parts of the country like
1: this. Kirk, you're a fascinating caller and conversationalist, which is not a surprise given your academic uh, experience and, and other instincts and I, uh, and I thank you for your, for your time and, and this contribution to the show. Um, I, and, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Should I hear this evening, should you hear this evening from the Iowa Chamber of Commerce? trying to get a film crew out to just, you know, to get you to just to to grab five minutes of you on video talking about Iowa, as you just have. It's the best commercial and educational piece for a native East coaster I've ever heard. Thank you, sir. Kirk, thank you. That's Professor Kirk from Houston with his, uh, if I may, I would, I would characterize it as a point sibling to my uh, boyhood, what do I call him? Uh, friend, I spoke at his, I spoke at his wake, uh, I spoke at his funeral, I spoke at the group called Penn, who are the uh, writers, professional authors, Penn, if you know the group. P.E.N. It stands for something. Uh, I don't know what it stands for, but it's P.E.N. You could you can Google it up. Um, so I'll say friend, so as not to complicate matters. Uh, and uh, his name was Abby Hoffman, and he was a communist. And when I was fourteen, I thought Abby hung the moon. And I still love a lot about him to this day. Uh, you can't not, if you're fair-minded, open one of Abby Hoffman's books. You, you will hate all of the politics, but you can't hate his sense of humor. It's He's very hard to hate because he's brilliant and hilarious. Abby, Abby made a point about Columbus Day, which I steal – from him, but always cite him each Columbus Day. And and he writes in one of his books, and I'm paraphrasing, though I've read it 10,000 times, Colum- on this day, or on the, whatever day it is, what's it, October 14th? I don't know. He, he says, on this day, Americans celebrate that Columbus discovered, and I don't know whether he capitalizes or puts in quotes, Discovered America. Discovered. Imagine that. You know, he goes, Columbus discovered America. You know, an Italian given a commission by a Spanish queen had to sail across the ocean in order to land on someone else's property, a place where there were millions of copper colored people already living full, creative imaginative and loving lives but thank god your know, white man discovered them
2: this is jay severin on the blaze radio network
1: Back with you on the Blaze Radio Network in the time left in this segment uh, slash hour. I have two important political developments I really ought to have gotten to by now. One of them has to do with sorry, Rand Paul. The other has to do with Ted Cruz and Dr. Carson. Well, like any good editor, I'm going to make the editorial judgment that We give priority to the story about the still living. (laughs) Sorry. And the other is that no one should speak ill of the dead. (laughs) So, therefore, I'm going to talk about Cruz and Carson. And we'll probably get to uh, Rand Paul. uh, May he rest in peace at the top of the next hour. Ted Cruz continues to apologize to a whining Ben Carson for something Cruz did, which requires no apology. I think you know the story. But you know what? Not all of us do. Or we think we do, but we don't. Here is the very Last night, the Ben Carson, two hours before the polls opened, not last night, sorry, night before last, in Iowa, Ben Carson, on on the, you know, moments before the opening of the caucuses, Ben Carson's campaign sent out a tweet, or may otherwise made a formal announcement that Dr. Carson isn't going to New Hampshire. Nope, he's going straight home tonight to Florida. For some R and R, but he will show up next week at the Washington Prayer Breakfast. Uh, Dana Perino on Fox, as this was happening, apparently said, uh, reportedly said, "This is unprecedented for a presidential candidate at this stage of the campaign," and suggest and she insinuated that it was very meaningful. Uh, at the same moment Carson sent out or the campaign sent out that he was going home to Florida not going to New Hampshire not going to South Carolina okay he sends out that message Uh, 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 an outfit called Outset Magazine it's an online magazine Outset picks this up and their editor or publisher maybe both He sends out a tweet, reportedly. This may or may not be where CNN saw it. And this is how this chain works. You know how the chain works, right? So that may or may not be the source, the Outset Magazine editor, publisher, uh, tweet. CNN sees this, or otherwise learns of it. And they run an item, which I've yet to see, but, but reportedly did occur, CNN ran something which at least was a repetition of the Carson announcement. Dr. Carson is not going to New Hampshire. He's not going to South Carolina. He's going home to Florida to get new clothes, to get fresh clothes. You know, and they said this, of course, with with raised eyebrow. So this appeared on all of these sources. Starting with the Carson campaign, originating with Dr. Carson himself, and then going through Outset Magazine, CNN, Fox, et al., at which point the Cruz campaign did what you do, if you're a good campaign. You grabbed this, you ripped it off the, you know, computer, wherever you have it, and you texted it out to your ground operatives and said, look at this. It looks like Carson may be fixing to drop out. So use this if you're trying to convince people to get them to swing over and vote for Ted Cruz. They did. And now Dr. Carson is whining loudly that uh, Car- Cruz is guilty of dirty tricks. Dr. Carson, I love you, but this try him or low.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: I am Jay Severin. You are truly the best and brightest. We're publishing the jaily News here. Heard only on the Blaze Radio Network. And one more thing. Excelsior. Welcome back, my dear partners. One triple eight nine 888 900 3393. 900 3393. I do have a partner on the phone, uh, although I said partner, indicating that there are lines open. We almost always have lines open. Some days you can't get in, other days I can't give it away. Uh, th- but right now, I never lied to you about it either. And I, every time I'm listening to some other form of radio, Uh, you know, like terrestrial radio. And I hear a guy, it's usually on sports radio. uh, And they'll say, we have one line open. And that's like, if Saturday Night Live did a skit on like DJs from the 1950s or something, you know, or maybe the 1970s, I don't know. You know, they'd have a guy saying, oh, you know. Five minutes past the big hour, five o'clock, uh, one line open, one line open means no one's called in three hours. And he's, he's run out of articles from the local paper, the D section about the movement of migratory waterfowl, you know, to read. So when I tell you we've got a line open, we've got a line open anyway, and I'll go there in a second, but, uh, by the way, uh, on the strength of Veka's uh, exceptional, intuitive, and uh, otherwise fine judgment, Professor Kirk is herewith known on this show as Admiral Kirk. So let it be written. So let it be done. So has it been tweeted which is pretty much the equivalent of Egyptian law in America in the year 2016. Okay, uh, RuPaul, sorry, Rand Paul, one must not speak ill of the dead. Rand Paul has, quote-unquote, suspended his campaign. Uh, and why suspended? Why always suspended? Why does no one quit? Uh, one, sounds Softer, easier, softer landing, softer to say, but principally for legal reasons. You need to keep on raising money for a variety of reasons. And a suspended campaign is subject to different legal uh, regulation than a a former campaign, a defunct campaign. Get defunct. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so uh, get defuncty. Ron Paul is. He's defuncty as of today. Um, Why? Why did he not wait for the New Hampshire primary at least? What does it cost him to wait a week less? wouldn't, Wouldn't Ron Paul almost certainly do better in New Hampshire? Yes, he would. Why wouldn't he wait? I think I know the answer to that, and you will know the answer to that in just a moment. First, I come to bury Ron Paul as well as praise him. But first, I'm I really, I'm really here to analyze why he has joined the ranks of the suspended. Ron Paul was on the cover of time magazine, such as it is time quote unquote magazine, uh, as what did it say? The next great, the future of the Republican party, the hope of the Republican party, or the great future politician or the politics of the future, or he was it, man. He was time magazine dubbed him the next Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, And at that moment, he was. And he showed the potential of of thusly being. But that was months ago, meaning lifetimes ago, as you are learning or know in the world of media and politics, especially national media and politics. My obituary reads as follows. United States Senator Ron Paul, son of legendary Texas Congressman Ron Paul, uh, politically died today, although that may not be true, but we'll get to that in a moment. Politically died today. He was 48 years old. I don't know how old he is. I'm making it up, but I think I'm close. Uh, Mr. Paul, the senator succumbed to three medical, read, political nemesis. One, Ron Paul, no, sorry, Rand Paul, I'm sure I'm doing that a lot. Rand Paul existed because he was the only or at least the most prominent Libertarian Constitutionalist among all Republican or prospective Republican candidates. He was the Libertarian. He was young. He thought young. He looked young. He, he, he drank Pepsi. He was young. He was the Pepsi generation. And despite that uh, raccoon that lives on his head, he was telegenic. He was smart. He was a little bit of a smart ass, by the way. He was the younger generation version of his father. I mean come on, whether you like him or not, you have to admit, RuPaul is a bit of a smart ass. And I if I had been advising him, I'd say you you've got to you've got to like, you know, shave a little bit of, of that off your personality. Uh, it's not for me to say personally, but if you want to be president, it is for me to say. You know, you gotta lose you gotta lose that snark. But Senator Paul had three nemesis that were cru- absolutely in the end proved crucial to his political life and death. One, he existed as the libertarian, and the thing in the showcase for him was no more wars. No more sending American troops to different places. And at the moment, that was fine. Then you know what happened? ISIS. Then you know what happened? The wars that were supposed to be over, like in Iraq and Afghanistan, they flared up again like a case of terminal political herpes for a guy whose selling card was, I love the military, but I don't want to use them unless, you know, the Chinese have landed on the beaches of Cape Cod. And by the way, I'm with him pretty much on that. And a lot of a lot of us are. But the environment changed it. I've seen it happen many times in my my political life. It's happened many times. You know what you're going to sell yourself on the ground shifts beneath you. And the first nemesis of of Senator Paul was that his uh, pacifist wing of the libertarian movement evaporated from underneath him secondly you know what happened to senator paul donald trump donald trump replaced rand paul and everybody else who was running or thinking of running as a maverick as the mavericks maverick trump is what happened to rand paul and thirdly and i've already addressed this i kind of buried myself in this the third nemesis of rand paul was Rand Paul he was in several ways his own worst enemy he was not a great campaigner he had an edge of snark young people loved it other people did not lastly why did he not wait for the New Hampshire primary surely he would have done better there I believe that's true that he would have I think I know the answer Senator Paul is on the verge of being former Senator Paul. His Senate seat is up this November. And when you are running seventh in a a political race for president, what you've done is encouraged opponents of your own party and the other party to jump up and challenge you in your home state of Kentucky. And every night you're on the road... Rand Paul hasn't been in the Senate chamber since my kids were in uh, nursery school. And so you've got probably between one and five people running around Kentucky on the local news every night saying Rand Paul is not doing the job we're paying him for. Are we paying him to run for president? And by the way, he's in seventh place. I think Rand Paul took a sniff and what he smelled was his own political mortality. Even as a senator, he looked at his numbers and prospects in the presidential race. He looked back at his own United States Senate seat in Kentucky, and he said, I better be tending to business.
2: The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Separate. Separate. On the Blaze Radio
1: Network. And these are my partners, one 88 900 3393 With uh, thanks and a tip of the hat to Rudolph Bell on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Bell says Rick Santorum ends long shot GOP presidential bid. My response to him was my next item in my notes. Breaking. Rick Santorum to appear tonight at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Although you never know, it's their seven o'clock p.m. Eastern time show. So if it's important to you to see it live, and it oughtn't be, but because you're in, you'll see it everywhere else the rest of the night. So you know the seven thirty is times approximate. Believe me. So you might want to tune in at seven if if it's important to you to see it live. But trust me, it ain't. But uh, he's scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight on Fox for what is billed as the delivery of two major announcements, which I believe will be number one, withdraw, number two, endorse. Thank you again to Rudy. We continue now with Nathaniel from California. Welcome back, I believe.
3: Jay, how you doing, sir? Well, thank you. Great. Hey, I think uh when Rand Paul started getting friendly with uh Mitch McConnell and didn't endorse Matt Bevin in Kentucky, I think that really ruined his image with the whole Tea Party. And uh, I think that's that, a great point. You know, so he was he was really, you know, uh part of my language but kind of screwed from the beginning. I think everybody kinda of saw him as a traitor in some ways.
1: I don't disagree. Let me play devil's advocate and ask you something, which is a genuine, I'm not playing, this is a genuine curiosity to me. Absolutely. If that's true, if what you say is true, and I don't contest it, if what you say is true, does it appear to you, as it does to me at the moment, that people are on the cusp of, or already have, Forgiven Rubio's original sin, which is amnesty. I mean, he was Um, the gang of eight, and he's going to do it. He's not even denying it.
3: Well, you know what's crazy is I really don't. I I like I like Paul's uh, policies a lot more than I like Rubio's. I would still vote for Rubio, but I I like Paul's policies a lot more. I, I think. Rubio's just a charming fellow to be honest with you and he really just appeals to people in that way. Uh so I think that's really the, his biggest asset. I mean,
1: you know the funny thing is Chris Christie and I and I I hate saying those words and not following them with something bitterly critical. Uh but at this point I being honest I I can't at the moment. Uh though give me a minute. But Chris Christie has been lecturing, and this is always when you see this inside baseball stuff, you know, like when in, in in the debate, they go to a guy and he goes, well, it's about time. Do you know that you asked these two people and these three people and these four people two questions, four questions, one question respectively since you last, and it's, oh, sorry, Senator, time, okay? You know, when they start bitching about the inside baseball game on li- on live TV, you know there's something wrong, you know? Okay, Chris yeah. Christie, all week long in New Hampshire, has been using his, like, town meetings. All I see is clips of him complaining to the media, challenging the media. Hey, I just hope you're going to challenge Rubio the way you're challenging me, because you never ask him any tough questions. Now, again, I know I use the example of the debate, and that's a stupid idea to do that and all of that, but Weirdly, in a sort of parallel universe, Nathaniel, Christie is right. Rubio is right now receiving the special dispensation of the media. They're not going after him. They're not asking him tough questions. Rubio is answering questions as tough as and, and answering them as you would expect to find at the Ladies' Guild Flower Club in Teaneck, New Jersey, luncheon. You know, they're saying, so, why do you love America? Senator, why do you love America? Senator, 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 why will you be such a great president? Senator, Senator, (laughs) uh, how much do you love your wife? This is the treatment he's getting.
3: I I agree. I I think that's because the uh, establishment has sort of taken – Came under their wing and started to endorse him a bit because they know right. he's going to be a little more likely to um, be able to kind of deal with the Democrats um, in the Senate and in the House, and uh, which ought
1: to make him. I think which I ought, think ought to make, make him, him less electable, right? Ought to make him less electable well, in a Republican to primary. To
3: a true—that's why I agree 100. percent But to a to a true conservative, it does. But to someone who's still. Thinks the established you know, the establishment, as I call them, the country club Republicans. Um, right. Somebody who thinks that, that that they should still be in power. I mean, I think he very much appeals to them because, you know, well, he's Hispanic, he's handsome, he he, he speaks well. Um, you know, he he's the uh, Republican JFK. Um, he's a poor man's Republican really, oh, JFK.
1: You
3: nailed, you nailed it right there, Jay. Um, but if I could get in just one more thing real quick before yeah, uh, sure. I let you go, yeah. I just I just want yeah. to talk about. Uh, the, the difference between sophism and the Socratic method and how we're we're kind of experiencing the, the same thing that has been around since, you know, the ancient Greeks. Uh, you know, to me, Trump is a true sophist. Uh, he uses pers- persuasion and emotion whenever he can. And he doesn't care if he's telling the truth or not. All he cares about is getting his message through because he feels like, hey, I know better than everybody else. Therefore, whatever I say is best for everybody.
1: Right, best to spoon-feed him in small bites and move on.
3: Yeah, you know, the whole bread and circus and be happy sort of mentality. Whereas we have Ted Cruz, on the other hand, who is using the Socratic method. He's looking for absolute truths. Well, how will people be better off in the long run, you know? Do we want to keep them on welfare, or should we start, you know, decreasing taxes? That way, we incentivize businesses to start expanding and hiring more employees. So I think... uh, I think we're really, truly experiencing that right now. And I just don't want people to be frustrated because this has been around for a very, very long time. You, Nathaniel,
1: so just, um, the clock is running out on us, but you know who, right. you know who to blame? There's, if, if we're interested, coincidentally, in a finding of fault here, you know who's to blame? Who's that? The media. Sir? The media. Because well, s- yeah. listen to the two answers, essentially, you just gave. And you're absolutely right. Trump's answers are average about 3.8 seconds long. What can you? What could even Socrates say in three point eight seconds, other than veritas? It, Cruz's answers require more words and more thinking. Demanded of us, TV won't permit it.
2: Jay Severin, The Blaze Radio Network.
1: It's the Jay
0: Severin show on the blaze radio network. (laughs)
1: Uh, My little girl wrote the night of the debate. And if you're a correspondent, you may have seen it. She, uh, they can always, my, my family can always tell when I have certain, apparently I have certain kinds of laughs. And the one that I have is recognizable when I'm laughing at my own material. Uh, and then there's another one for, and I'm laughing at myself and et cetera. So uh, you just heard the tail end of me laughing at my own material. Um, my, uh, my very good friend, Lawrence O'Donnell, who hosts the last word on MSNBC, whom I've known for 25 years and a smarter, a more clever guy I mean, and a nicer fellow. I mean, you have to know your stuff. He suffers fools uneasily. But a a more clever, nicer, more fun fellow to be around, you'll never know. And he's a great softball player. We played together for several years. Uh, In any case, Lawrence, I'm not in regular correspondence with him. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. But last I heard, we were pals. Lawrence tweets, "Got any good questions for tomorrow night's Hillary Clinton debate?" And I uh, sent in this: uh, uh, "Dear Lawrence, uh, quote, uh, Senator Clinton, would you characterize as ironic that you end up in the same pat suit as Susan McDougal?" <laughs> Cheers, Jay. And what? And, and of course, for those of you, and I expect there are many of us too young to know what the heck I'm talking about. Susan McDougall was one of the, the women, and I'm going to resist the very strong temptation to characterize her. <clears throat> um, Susan McDougall was one of the Legion women who claimed that she had engaged in extracurricular activities with young governor bill clinton of arkansas uh, while he was newly wed to that beauty queen hillary clinton and uh and also she was a key figure in whitewater and for her refusal to share with a federal judge her candid testimony on the matter of whitewater which incidentally because if you don't remember her You don't remember this. Whitewater was an infamous cheap land swindle right out of a movie about, you know, Mississippi in the 1920s. It specifically and literally targeted elderly people for the purpose. They found that those were the ones most easily swindled and they had money in the bank and so they found out who 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 can we best target in this land swindle and the clintons who were principal owners of whitewater principal investors owners targeted elderly people and whitewater the whitewater swindle stole from elderly people their life savings people were ruined People killed themselves, as I recall. So just because the media has given it a handle, which sounds fairly vanilla, you know, Whitewater, Whitewater. I don't remember what that was, but it kind of sounds nice. sounds like a place I'd like to take my family. Whitewater. Yeah, that's a theme park, right? Whitewater. It was one of the dirtiest, cruelest scandals in the history of the Southern United States, swindling elderly people out of their life savings, and the Clintons were behind it. And when they tried to come after them, I don't know if this is the first time or the 100th time the law tried to come after the Clintons for doing the opposite of what they preach to us that they stand for, but Susan McDougal was a material witness, and she refused to testify. Out of loyalty to the Clintons, don't you know? And she went to jail, and there were pictures of her every night for I don't know two years or something. Or she got paraded around the the yard or back and forth to court. Um, and here's where we come to the uh, the unexpected moment, meaning the, the that there is an end to this story, and that is whenever she was shown on television, as I recall, she was wearing bracelets. And uh, and she was manacled, and she had on a standard-issue federal orange uh, jumpsuit slash pantsuit. And so the question I suggested to, to Lawrence was, Mrs. Clinton, would you characterize as ironic that you end up in the same pantsuit as Susan McDougall? I know that it won't be widely appreciated, but if just two of us get it, and think that it's funny, i.e. cruel, toward Mrs. Clinton, My, I know I'm doing the work I was put here to do. Kevin, from the Garden State. And if you don't know it, you wouldn't guess that it's New Jersey. Welcome.
5: Hey, Jay. First time, very Hi, Kevin. long-time listener. Actually Thank listened you. to you on WOR in, in 1995. Whoa. So Whoa. I may get the record.
1: Back to the, uh, the, his rush as the groove yard of forgotten favorites.
5: There you go. And, and, uh, was actually, uh, moved up to Boston and, and listened to you for many years up there as well. So
1: you went, you went to go to school, right?
5: I went to, to school. Yep. Yeah. Boston was there for 13 years and, and I'm now back in, in the garden state.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's the story of so many of us, of New Yorkers, New York Metro people who went to Boston for school and either stayed or returned or whatever, Um, including my own so um so kevin what's as a as a doubtless veteran of 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 these uh aging vocal cords what's on your mind
5: so you know first of all i i I think you may have misspoken slightly on the on the on the iowa curse right the 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 40-year thing as iowa has not predicted the winner of new hampshire in in 40 years, but but there was a winner I did say I Iowa. did say
1: that, and the basis of that statement is the last time Iowa elected someone who went on to become president was George Bush in
5: 1976 Gerald Ford I'm sorry, was it Ford? I'm sorry So Ford won Iowa, then he won New Hampshire He's the only person who's ever done that uh, But George Bush in 2000 did win Iowa and lost New Hampshire So that would be the the slight adjustment I would I would put
1: there. Oh, so that would make it what sixteen years? Sixteen years, right? And but no right. one has well, ever. Well, you know what? No one has. Hey, if it's if it's sixteen minutes difference, wrong is wrong. So if I'm wrong, uh, I, I apologize to the good people of Iowa. Uh, and uh, you know, after all, there's a difference between being. Forty years wrong and sixteen years wrong. So I, I, well, I apologize. The only time they've
5: ever that's the only time they've ever, ever picked the, the the winner, at least out of the Republican side. Well, I apologize.
1: Twenty four years worth.
5: We 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 all accept your apology. So the, the, the big the
1: big <laughs> you, point you are I'm representing. Make, Kevin from New Jersey is representing the Iowa today. So that's the I council, all all, of,
0: <laughs> all
5: across the, the the great nation. But what I was actually really. The, the point I'm trying to drive home is I, I actually think we're going we're to see something even more historic this year, and that's that someone who doesn't even win in February is going to take the nomination, and that's going to be, in my estimation, Marco Rubio.
1: Do, do you – how do you characterize yourself? I have two questions. How do you characterize – I'll give them both to you because you can handle sure. them. How do you characterize yourself politically? That's question one. Go ahead. Will you answer that one?
5: I am a libertarian-leaning conservative.
1: Okay. Uh, pretty much as as am I, or at least I so claim. Um, mm-hmm. How do you characterize, second question, how do you characterize politically Marco Rubio?
5: Well, you know, I, th- I think a few weeks ago you kind of put up a, a bit of a Venn diagram of here's where, where, where Trump is, here's where Cruz is, and here's sort of where Rubio is. And I see his key thing is he's a little bit of a chameleon. He, sits in, he, sits, he, he appeals to Reagan Democrats, he appeals to conservatives, he has the one black mark of his, of his amnesty uh, position, but, but I feel like he's sort of Cruz's co-equal in terms of, of, of conservatism, but he's, other than the, the immigration, which is a big issue, but he's a much easier uh, pill to swallow.
1: You sound like someone who's paid uh, close attention to this for a while, indeed, so i ask I ask you, and I know I know it sounds like an adversarial question and to a degree it is, but I'm not trying to be tricky. No. Does it tell you something that makes you at all ill at ease when someone in the Republican primary succeeds in in the Republican primary? succeeds in appealing to the entire spectrum of republicans you know that you can't really nail it's like trying to nail a jello shot to the wall you can't really sure he's a bit quicksilver ish you know you can't you got people arguing sincerely that he's really a conservative at at base at heart and people arguing at the other end of the spectrum whatever that is that no he's not really you know does that make you ill at ease at all
5: well you know i mean you 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 said at one point you said conservatives de- determine the nominee or, or should determine the nominee
1: well have and historically I, have
5: have I'd say the way it's set up now and and sort of the hypothesis of why I think he's going to win is conservatives determine in large part the national numbers, but the establishment has rigged it so that they will determine uh the the nominee and and via the super delegates.
4: And not even things. via
5: superdelegates yeah. via the winner take all states which start march 15th and that's where right i think rubio is gonna gonna run the table you've got I, I i broke it down there's 975 delegates up for grabs in those winner take all states 716 of them 73 percent of them are in blue blue states obama states states that obama won
1: all right i've told bees tell me i've got a break you you're a great caller i love that you've paid attention, you know, all this stuff. And naturally I attribute it to your early education at my knee when you were listening, uh, when I was on in, in New York and that network, no, no fooling. Thank you very much for the contribution. And I just say this to you in closing. Um, I think it, you know, highly plausible that Rubio will be the nominee. That's because no one ever fully meets the Buckley rule. I'll vote for the most conservative candidate who can win it always swings a little more or a lot more one way than the other and uh marco swings the who can get elected rather than conservative i just hope the amnesty thing doesn't come back to bite us in the neck
2: Jay Severin, the blaze radio network Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network, I'm Jay. You're my partner. Uh, I'll be your I'll be your speaker tonight, your co-speaker. Jesse from Ooh, Oklahoma, and I'll leave it there.
6: Ha, that's not enough. Keep going.
1: <laughs> Where the uh, wind comes. Right. Okay. <laughs> now,
6: now we're talking. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, how are you doing today, Jay?
1: I'm pretty well, Jesse. What's up?
6: Wonderful. I, I just wanted to... I, I heard a caller a couple of days ago on, on your program and, and said something uh, that uh, was me to a T, and, I'm, and I've thought a lot about this, and I hope that... I I'm Usually, you, you think you're alone. You think you're the only crazy person out there, uh, but when you start asking around, sure enough, there's other people that think like you do. And this... I've never been, and I'm only 26 years old, I've never been excited about a Republican. Well, I mean, obviously, if not a Republican, then nobody. I've never been excited for a candidate uh, for presidency. Uh, I've never been excited about Romney. I never got excited about anybody else that's ever uh, ran in my lifetime. Right. Uh, Well, you're
1: about, for someone who pays attention and is unusually bright, you're hitting that sweet spot right now of when you're starting to look forward to, you know, something other than the next bong hit, or you know, you, you know, like what, you, you know, the makeup exam or something like that, you know. And so you're starting to think about a little. The real world is intruding, if only a little, you know, or maybe a lot. I don't know, you know, on your on your judgments.
0: Right. Mm-hmm hmm
6: well this is uh but i just to to change and i think it's going to change the dynamics all these polls that you see and all this uh, i just i
1: want you to know i've got a minute i've got a minute and there's okay. nothing i can do about it it's yours but go ahead and we call back tomorrow i'll I've put you up first no matter what but go ahead i've
6: i've got it uh so I am donating money. I'm certainly not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. Quite the contrary. I'm donating money to Ted Cruz's campaign because I'm excited about him. And I don't think the polls are ever going to reflect the excitement that he creates in conservative young people uh, that have caused me to donate money to a campaign for the first time in my life. Uh, of ever even being excited about a campaign in the first place. I believe that uh, that polls will be skewed because they will not reflect that kind of excitement.
1: Jesse, I, let me thank you. I, what you're doing is admirable. It's exciting. For the rest of us, we just have to hope that the phrase you used, young conservatives, turns out to be a group that is more plentiful than, like, the white rhinoceros uh, of whom there are, I think, like three left in the world. But good on you.
2: The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.